Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Uh, it, is, it is good to be here tonight. Um, Pastor Sam and Carolina um, is not here, if you have not noticed. We actually had such a great blessing to actually send them away for a family holiday for a week. Um, so they are there, they're getting beached up, tanned up, probably peeling, um, because when you haven't seen the sun in a while, you know what happens. Uh, and um, just be able to send them and get refreshed is actually just such a great blessing to be in this church and being able to do that, because everybody gets better when the leader is better. And um, But we are moving in, we're moving into Christmas, obviously, um, and that's with that, we start a new series called He Is... Um, Pastor Tim McDonald spoke and brought us in, inaugurated us in this morning with a, with a powerful word. Um, it was pool room or the back shed, and um, typical Pastor Tim McDonald title. And um, it's just a great honor. If you can jump on, you can jump on SoundCloud, Apple, you can jump on YouTube, probably some other things where it's pirated, um, and, and, get <laughs> and jump on that message and just uh, see what God's speaking to you in this season. Um, but tonight, we are, we're going to explore a bit of the, the, the pre-Jesus birth story, because Jesus is the reason for the season, and that's because it rhymes, um, and that's enough. And, um, but we're going to get a little bit into it. Um, so we're going to start in, by reading Scripture, which is always a good practice when you're preaching. And um, we're going to start in the, the book of Luke, chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. We're going to read two parts of the same story in two different chapters. Um, it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. No one's ever greeted me like that. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You, have, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord your God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the um, angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One, will be, um, Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she was one to be unable, or considered to be unable to conceive and she is in her six months. For the word of the God will never fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be with me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Then picking up in Luke 2, nine months later, and it says, In the days of Caesar, August, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph and Mary went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. Um, to Judea, man, I cannot speak right now, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married and was expecting a child. 
while they were there, they kind, uh, it came for the time for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. The message title that I give you tonight is Available is Enough. Available is enough. But let's do things. Let's pray and lean into it. Father, Father, we ask that you come and you speak. Father, we've come through a time of great worship and praise, and I pray that during that time you were speaking. Father, I pray would you continue speaking so that when we leave tonight, that we don't just have a church service experience, but Lord, Father, we've come and we've had a deposit of heaven left within us. Father, one that does not expire when we leave this building, Father, but one that continues to grow deep roots in our heart as we go into our week. Father, as we lean in and understand who you are, how much you love us, and who you've called us to be. Father, we love you, and in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. The last time we spoke, um, you helped me in a therapy session where I uh, confessed all of my allergies and my family's allergy and helped me process the fact that I'm allergic. And um, part, of, part of the irony around my allergy is that I love fishing. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, I've, I've gone offshore fishing before. I, uh, when I used to live in Noosa, we used to go on kayaks between the lakes and um, go estuary fishing a lot and love catching different types of fish. And recently, we were given the opportunity to go deep sea fishing. And um, it is because Josh and Belle got married, and this is Josh Monk's Bucks party. And so we went to Noosa, we stayed the night, and Josh didn't know, but we were going to go deep sea fishing the next day. And I was excited because I get to go deep sea fishing, and I love fishing, though I can't eat the fish. And um, Josh doesn't know this, but then we wake up, and we go there, and I drive um, to the marina in my little I-30, because I know how to drive Noosa and all of its many roundabouts. And um, we get to the marina in this vehicle, and we swap vehicles to a boat. Um, now, I'm pretty good with boats generally, and I've never been seasick um, in all of my times fishing. You can see where this is leading, can't you? Uh, <laughs> um, and so we, we head offshore, and then we keep going. Um, and we probably spend a good sort of 30 minutes driving offshore into the middle of nowhere, somewhere off um, the beach of North, North Shore, um, I, you can probably see Harvey Bay, I don't know, but we're in the middle of nowhere. And it's a relatively calm day. I've, I've, I haven't gone deep sea fishing before. If you're wondering the difference between offshore and deep sea, there's a thing. Um, we just went out and you just keep going. And on the way, I just started feeling strange. And... and uh, Dan Myhill was with us, Pastor Dan, and he, um, he is an avid seasicker. And uh, <laughs> um, Pastor Jarrett's like, oh. um, And so he uh, made sure that the day before, he, he was like incrementally, religiously taking the required prescription for seasickness medication um, in the lead up. And I'm like, I'm all good. I've been fishing before offshore. I'm good. We've been there, done this. All good. Um, and then we're out on the water, Pastor Dan is fine, but there's two individuals in the boat that just can't handle it. Um, one of myself and the other one is Josh <laughs> on his Bucks party. And we are legitimate um, 
providing burly for the fish that we're trying to catch for probably a good three hours. I've never wanted dry land so much in my life. I've never wanted stillness because it's like you, 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 you're there and you're just rocking. And you're like, you, the only option is either you jump in <laughs> and join whatever you've imparted into the water um, <laughs> or you just take it. And so I'm sitting on the ground, uh, on the floor of this boat with the, my head between my knees so I can somehow stabilize my head from swaying back and forward, back and forward. And then you, you, you release and then you feel good for about 10 minutes and you're counting down. And the first couple of times you understand what's about to happen and you see breakfast come and go, um, but then you run out and so you start putting water in your system and it's, just, it's not a good time. And so here I am, and I discovered that deep-sea fishing boats are not the vehicle for me. Um, it is not a thing I'm in love with. I don't know how Josh, in just sheer perseverance, is like, I'm catching fish. And so <laughs> I just gave up. I'm like, I'm not catching fish. I'm done. <laughs> um, and so he is somehow casting and reeling in fish intermittently between seasickness I'm just out of sheer perseverance. And then we got home. I refused to talk to anyone and I slept for an hour and a half. And then I came and preached that night at youth. <laughs> what a good time. What a good time. That's a Bucks party. Um, and we didn't even do much to Josh. Um, but effectively, all I'm saying is a lot of the time we judge uh, by the vehicle that we're in. Uh, there's this, I prefer the car to the boat. Um, there's just, there's a, a sense of one is better suited to me, one is providing benefits to me um, in a certain way. But I think when we're, we're talking about this story and what we see is Jesus and uh, God chooses the most unqualified vehicles to bring his son into the world. He brings a, a virgin girl as the mother of the Son of God. He chooses the guy who's he's sweet and all that sort of stuff, but he's just a carpenter. Wouldn't you think, if you're God, that you're going to choose someone more qualified or someone more knowledgeable or someone more quote-unquote capable than just choosing uh, the, the girl and the carpenter who are just engaged, they're not even married yet. Like, they don't know how to parent, they don't know how to do life. And, he, he, and like, your firstborn, who knows, I'm not a parent yet, but your firstborn I hear is like your experiment. Imagine experimenting on Jesus. Like, <laughs> like that's your experiment. Um, but I think there's a sense of we are the chosen vehicles for God to bring his message of Jesus Christ into the world. And it's so often that we can qualify and disqualify ourselves based off our own observation or preference rather than letting God choose and qualify us instead. So my title tonight being Available is Enough is that there is no qualification that enables you to qualify to be a worthy uh, vehicle for God except your availability. 
There is no, you might look off to the, the charismatic nature of someone else and say, well, I'm, I just don't know how to talk to people. I'm not as charismatic as Pastor Dan. Therefore, I, shouldn't, I won't be as influential or I won't be able to lead. Or you might look at Pastor Jared and well, I can't sing like Pastor Jared. Well, that's okay because God has still chosen you as a vehicle to bring Jesus into your world. You might look at maybe the qualifications of maybe a career. Maybe you're not as business-minded as Dustin, so you, you don't think you can go and start businesses the same way. Whereas when God looks at you, He doesn't look at how qualified you are, your capabilities, your qualifications. He says, are you available? He says, Mary, will you? And He says, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. Do what He does. And so what I, what I want to do tonight is I want to flesh out this idea that available is enough. How do we as servants of God just create this sense of availability? And what are some enemies to this availability creeping into our heart that might convolute or take our eyes off what is most important rather than and focus it on ourselves rather than on the actual message and the cargo that we carry? So the first, the first point I want to discuss tonight in this message and through this narrative is available does not mean perfect. Available doesn't mean perfect. As we said, Mary is just, Mary's estimated to be a teenage girl. And Mary is a teenage girl. We get this narrative of uh, Elizabeth and her husband. They are too old to have a son that these people are not the right choice. They're disqualified. They are imperfect. And actually, one of my favorite things about the disciples is how messed up they are. You know, you can read Scripture and be like, these guys went out and they healed the sick. But you miss the fact that James and John come to Jesus after a Samaritan city rejects Jesus and said, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them all? This is three years after they met him and have been walking with him. I'm not sure how long you've been walking with Jesus, but I'm not sure you can um, try to condemn an entire city to the fire of God recently. Like, <laughs> these people are messed up. They get their mum to come up to Jesus and try and get them seats in heaven. You thought about this. Do you, Peter's a hothead that cuts off ears and asks questions later. And... Mary is just unqualified. Joseph doesn't know anything. Thomas, who's been following Jesus, doesn't even believe in Jesus' resurrection, even after he tells him for three years, I'm going to resurrect. It's like, these guys are misfits, and they're absolute wrecks. And you know what's so great? They were the 12 disciples that actually set fire and brought this guy named Jesus, the, the movement of Jesus to a world. It's through them, their availability, plus the Holy Spirit that the Jesus movement started and was inaugurated and it set fire to our world in such a way that there is now millions of people because 12 misfits were available. And they weren't perfect. Um, Peter had an anger thing. He was always very sharp. He said, yes, you are the son of God. And then he got called Satan by Jesus. Like, it's not a good day for Peter. Uh, <laughs> Yet this is the guy that stood up in front of the believers after the Holy Spirit came on them and preached and 5,000 were added to the gathering that day. There's this sense that 
maybe I don't have to be as qualified as I think I need to be to be used by Jesus. Available is enough, and it's this idea of I look to myself and I try and disqualify myself by all my human standards. But God looks upon us and he says, no, all I look for is the heart. There's a narrative in, in, uh, in First Samuel where Samuel the prophet is going to select the next king. And it's going to be David, but we don't know that yet. Um, and so what happens is the eldest brother, Eliab, or Elib, I don't know, I'm not Hebrew, um, <laughs> but he comes up and he's the tall, dark, and handsome, strong man. And Samuel, the prophet, goes, that's my guy. And God says, no, it's not. And he says this, he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And instead, it was, it was the son that the father didn't even think to invite to the dinner that was actually the one that was going to carry the authority of the announcing of God to lead a nation. It's this sense that whatever we think we bring to the table, it's not enough, but it's God's just looking for your availability. I love to see the, the testimony of the interns coming through because the idea is just give God a year. And it's, I wonder what God can do with a yes for one year. I wonder what God can do with your yes. Maybe you're not going to be an intern this year, but I wonder what God is beckoning you to say yes to and just be available for Him. You might not be a preacher. You might be uh, not in a, a CEO or a, a business owner position. You might deem yourself just a lowly person, but I tell you what, you have ability to influence the friends, the, the family. Yeah, you might, oh, I'm the stay-at-home mom. Man, you can cook and you can provide meals for people as a testimony for what God is good and the generosity in people's lives. You get to invest into your children in a way. You, I love, we had a, a baby dedication this morning. Pastor Jared talked, guide a, a child in the ways and they will not depart from it. It's like you have the most important roles in this planet. You get to raise children and your yes will change that life forever. And you might not feel capable, you not, might not feel qualified, but are you available? Because God's just looking for a, a yes. He's just looking for a yes. Available is enough. I wonder what you've discounted just because you're unqualified. But God's saying, I just want you. I just want your availability. My second point tonight is that available is a response. Available is a response. There's a, there's a scripture in Matthew that honestly confused me for many years because the Bible might be great to read, but let's face it, it'd be confusing. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a story written to other people 2,000 years ago, and we as, well, like, yeah, we'll just pick it up and understand all of it. Um, but there's a story in Matthew 22, and it's Jesus telling a parable. And he is talking, and he says, the kingdom of God is like a father who's holding a banquet. And he sends out his servants to his invited guests, and he says, come and eat with me, enjoy my banquet. And he sends them out, and the servants get neglected because the guests say, no, I, I, I need to go and attend to my business. I need to go and attend to my family. I can't come. I can't do that. And the, the, the father goes, well, 
Go to the streets, go to the corners, get anyone, get the homeless, get, get the people who weren't originally invited. And this is a parallel between the chosen Israelites and the, the Gentiles and this concept being brought together and, and brought in and saying, go and get them and invite them in to my banquet so that they may eat with me, so they may enjoy my presence. And at the end of the parable, it says this, Matthew 22, verse 14, it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. And it's a very confusing scripture because I've heard it preachers, I want to be part of the, the, the chosen ones, not just the called. And it's like I grew up in and around church. And you know when you're in a crowd and you don't hear the joke, but everyone's laughing, so you just join in. Or someone tells a story and you're like, I didn't quite hear it all, but I'm just going to laugh. Sometimes we hear stories in church where we're just like, <laughs> and we, do, we associate the laughter, but this really dropped for me um, when someone opened it up. And there's this idea of uh, everyone is called, but the few are chosen. And it also almost seems counter-contradictory to God's character, right? It's like, what, what does that mean? So it's like, I thought God was all inclusive. But someone broke it down like this to me, and they said, well, if I needed a ride home tonight, and I announced, hey, I need a lift home, who can do that for me? And there might be three people here that lift their hands, and I might go, well, I choose you. And it's this idea that I extend the call but only the chosen, the respondents, are chosen. I might offer the call. Jesus is offering the call, but it's when our response that we are chosen to participate in it. So this idea of I am available is a choice. I am available is a choice not to be available to things that are going to take my time away from God. It's not going to take my attention away from God. If I am available to God, it means that I'm not available to go out and just waste my time on something else. Or even yet, it might be a good thing, but it might not be the best thing. Because I know who I'm called to be. I know who God's called me and chosen to me. I know what my yes, my first yes is to God. Then I'm not going to compromise my biggest, my first yes to Jesus by convoluting my life and letting other things take away from what I said yes to. You're following. It's this idea that available is a response and it must be a, a, a no to things that might take our yes. And that might be, in, in our culture, that'll look very different than other people's culture. In our culture, it might be a, a saying no to, to pleasure or entertainment. Uh, one of the, I'm a youth pastor with my wife, and so we get to see, obviously, a, a sweeping through of things like di different distractions that are made to take attention away from us. You know, your phone is custom built to be addictive. <laughs> they, uh, people's jobs is to make your phone addictive, um, and they get paid well for it. Uh, <laughs> and so we are, we're already, the, the game has already been rigged against us, sort of thing, and our attention. And so, and then we have gaming, and games are rigged to hold our attention for hours on end. Uh, things, and these are not negative things within ourselves, but it's the opportunity cost of what is it taking away from. 
even our schedule. I don't know about you, but Christmas is honestly one of the busiest times of the year. <laughs> it's like holidays are coming. Okay, well, our schedule just got a whole lot fuller. Like, it's, okay, well, we're going to see this person in this day, this person in this day, I finish work here, schedule days off, okay, family here, drive here. I'm traveling back and forth to Noosa, I think, six times in the course of a week. <laughs> but the schedule can get convoluted and it can take away. And I love what Pastor Tim talked about this morning, even this idea of we can get so busy serving Jesus that we actually lose sight of Jesus. <laughs> I can be so busy... Be, uh, volunteering my time that I forget why I'm volunteering. Or I can get so busy just being a parent that I forget that I'm raising adults so that they can be effective in the kingdom. Or I, I get so involved with just running a life group or just being available that I forget who I'm doing it for and I disconnect from my life source, which is Jesus himself. And it's when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying no to so much. And so I choose to respond to the call. I, I refuse not to let things into my life. And it's this idea of it doesn't have to be much. It just has to be something. In the, in the book of Acts, we see Peter, 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 maybe Peter. <laughs> Peter and John uh, uh, come to the temple during a time and there's a beggar there. And the phrase they use is, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. I wonder what you've got in your hand tonight. I wonder what you've got in your life. I wonder who's the people around you. I'm not sure if you're frustrated at work. I'm not sure if you're frustrated with family. I'm not sure whether you're frustrated with your schedule. But what do you have in your hand? Because it took just a staff in the hand of a shepherd for a nation to be delivered from uh, Egyptians. It just took someone being obedient, someone saying yes to what God has got there. And my last point, if the, the band could join me, is God is enough. God is enough. Available is enough. Available is a response, and God is enough. The power of obedience is it puts you under God's authority, not your own. When you say yes to God, it means that you step out of your own uh, qualifications and insecurities and abilities and you step into the power of the authority of God. I love there's a passage we're about to read and in it, Paul really lays this down. He says, I do not preach myself, but I preach the power of God. And it's in 2 Corinthians 4 and we're going to read the whole chapter and then we're going to go into a time of worship together again. And so 2 Corinthians 4, it says, therefore... Since God in, the in His mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and any unhanded methods. No, we don't try and trick anyone or distort the Word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is a god of this world, has blinded the minds who do not believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. It says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. Now, we preach that Jesus is Lord, and we ourselves are just servants for His sake. The God who said, let the light shine in the darkness has made His light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God and see the face of Jesus Christ. We have this light this glorious light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile jars of clay, 
containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles. We are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through sufferings, our bodies to continue to share in the death and resurrection, our death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies as well. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Christ may be evident to all in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but He has resulted in eternal life for you. We continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist said when he said, I believe God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Christ, present us to Him together with you. All this for your benefit, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. Down to verse 16, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed. For our present troubles are small and won't last very well, they will yet produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look to the troubles we see now, either we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Here's a man who has completely disregarded his own body, his own life for the sake of Jesus Christ. And this is a man who wrote most of the New Testament. He's a man who, uh, before he met Jesus, was murdering intentionally Christians. But through the encounter of God, we see this, 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 uh, this change and transformation in his life where he steps away from who he was and disregards himself. And he says, even any accolade that I can contribute to the gospel of God is nothing. That's actually diluting it. Now, I just, I want to be weak and I want to be empty so that the goodness and the power and the glory of God can shine all the brighter. So when we aren't enough, when we aren't big enough, when we feel tired, when we feel discouraged, God is enough. All he's looking for is your yes, and he will bridge the rest. He's just looking for a yes, because it's the yeses of those who trust God that change history. I wonder tonight if, if you've never said yes to the call of God. We talked about the, the call being extended and this idea of I, I am chosen by my response to the call. And you've been following Christ, but there's this sense that I need to be a part and participate in the kingdom of God being expanded by bringing Jesus to this world. I want to pray for you in a second. I also want to pray for the people who are tired because their yes has become a bit of a labor this year. Their yes is a tired yes. I love this passage because it says we do not grow tired, we do not grow weary because we have the, the, the passion of God in our hearts. And I think there's, it's so intentional addressing that because discouragement and tiredness can rob our yes. But we have to turn to God because he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And when we say that, we reply yes again. We reply yes again. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. 
We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.